You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. For today's Friday episode, that is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked on at the checkout. Now, I did tease the other day that we're going to have a guest. He is the senior vice president of the Milwaukee Bucks, making his second appearance on the podcast. Unfortunately, we don't have a live audience of about uh, 300 people this time, but uh, Alex Lazary, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. All right, we may as well start right off the top with this game last night. And it was interesting for me watching the the ESPN broadcast that despite the there being a lot happening on the court, the focus was on Kawhi Leonard and load management and what that meant for this game and the fans that were in attendance. And it's just something that's not going to go away. And before we get into the specifics of the night for the Bucks and what that means for them, I'm just curious to see where you stand with this load management topic that isn't going anywhere and how that relates to an 82-game regular season that some would argue is far too long. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm never going to be someone who's going to, you know, tell someone they, you know, they have to play or what their medical needs are or anything like that. If, if someone feels like they need, you know, a, a day or a game or anything um, to make sure that they're healthy and that they don't have long-term injuries, um, I think then they need to do that. Every person is different. Uh, every body heals differently and every, you know, uh, you know, body is different. So, you know, I, I think the players have to do what's going to um, make sure that they have as long a career as possible um, and are able to keep their prime, I think, um, you know, as long as possible. You know, I, I think really what's happening is just, you know, the, the science is evolving. Um, I think the idea of, um, you know, what rest can do and, and how, and how, and how else to heal. Um, No, I think that's all evolving and, you know, I think we need to all be very open-minded to it. I think, you know, the way I think a lot of people have to look at it also is, okay, now's an opportunity to, you know, get some of the other guys some in-game action, um, a chance for players who might not, you know, be playing 30 minutes or might not even be playing 10 minutes to possibly get on the floor. And so, you know, I think when you're looking at the regular season, you know, so long as you're not, you know, healthy and missing, you know, half the season, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's totally fine. And the, you know, the players and teams have to do what's best for them. Uh, while I think also making sure that uh, they're not shortchanging the fans who are paying good money to you know, see the star players play. Yeah. It's funny to me, the load management 
or guys, star players missing games is all about the wording, right? Because we've seen Giannis miss a, a bunch of games uh, in the past, over the past couple of seasons with knee soreness. And essentially that's what Kawhi has. It's some sort of knee issue there. And if they don't just come out and say he's resting or we're giving him the night off, then then this changes. So the, the word load management is interesting in regards to this. But while we're on the topic of Giannis, it, it's funny to me. I was talking with Frank last night on the podcast and, and we always just marvel at Giannis and the fact that despite how good he's been, the fact that he's won an MVP, he still every single night does stuff out on the floor that boggles the mind. And last night, a play that we both spoke about that, that we really loved was that in the fourth quarter, the, the up and under step through on Montrez Harrell. He's also out there shooting a, a bunch of threes. I mean, this guy's game just continues to develop and uh, it, you almost run out of things to say about him. He's just been that good and continues to get that much better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what the great players do, right? Like every game is something new and spectacular. And, you know, I, I thought what was great last night and what we've kind of seen over the last few games is Giannis just really attacking um, yeah. and playing with such a confidence and ferocity that, um, you know, that we saw all of last season uh, and that, you know, I think he's starting to get comfortable with all of the guys around him um, and really, you know, rounding into form. I mean, the start to the season has just been, you know, it, it's been historic. You know, he's doing things that no other player has done. And, you know, now adding, you know, the, you know, being able last night hitting some clutch threes, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can kind of see when he's able to get that, you know, one, two step and get some real arc on that shot. Like it looks pretty good. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think what's, what's even more impressive though, than you know, the, all the points and rebounds that he gets is I think the gravity that he has and his ability to, you know, find players. And I think he's, you know, he's averaging more assists than he's ever had. And, you know, I bet you even his hockey assists are up. And so, you know, that's the thing that I think we're able, you know, we're, we're doing right now and what's making Giannis so special and so impressive is not just, you know, scoring and, you know, and, and all the things he's doing on defense and, and rebounding. But I also think it's when we need a bucket, he's going and getting us one. When we need something to stop some bleeding, he's going and getting us one. And that's what the MVPs and great players do. Yeah, and moving on to another guy that, that had a huge night last night for the Bucks, George Hill, 24 points, matches a high point total since coming to Milwaukee. And what a story this has become. Because, you know, even when I, I think back to a conversation I had with Horst uh, uh, prior to or during the playoffs actually it was at the beginning of the playoffs uh, you know we, you look back on that that George Hill trade and at the time you're like okay yeah we're, we're moving the Dolovadova contract we're moving the Henson contract this is a, a, a frugal move looking forward to the summer when you knew what was upcoming in terms of how many guys you were going to want to bring back and what that was going to mean financially and then George Hill through the course of the season particularly late in the regular season and then through the playoffs just becomes this guy that you're like, all right, we really want to bring this guy back. And uh, you, you're able to do that in the summer. But, but what, has, what has George Hill meant for this team? Because, geez, he's, he's become a really important player. I mean, I think, you know, what, what he's been able to bring from a leadership perspective and I think a steady hand 
um, is, I think, has really, one, stabilized and, you know, made our bench unit one of the best in the league. Uh, but I think it's also someone who is like, you're, you're seeing like kind of a, you know, the second act of his career. And he's kind of having this rejuvenation there. You know, you always knew George was a good player. And, you know, he's one of those rare, you know, big point guards who could defend and shoot the ball. Uh, but then, you know, kind of in those last few years of Cleveland, you know, was just wondering, you know, did he still have it? And I think what he's showing right now is like, yeah, like I still got it and I'm still going to be a important member on a championship caliber team. And I think all the things that he's meant in the locker room and on the floor, uh, I think has just been you know, something that's really taken our team to the next level. And, you know, I don't think, you know, we're, you know, one of the top teams in the league this year or, you know, on the verge of making it to the NBA finals last year without George. Yeah. I'm glad you bring up the locker room stuff in, in regards to George Hill, because that was certainly something I observed from, from being around the team last season was that when George Hill first came into this locker room, uh, it was almost like he was respecting what the Bucks had. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take a back seat here. He sort of looked to me as an, as an outsider that he was keeping to himself. And then as the season wore on, as we got closer to the playoffs and as he, as he was playing better, you really saw his personality come out in the locker room, pregame at practice, uh, postgame. He became a, 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 you know, clearly a really, really popular player uh, with the team. And, and that, that definitely stood out to me, but it's interesting when you talk about how well George Hills played, because that, correlates directly to Malcolm Brogdon and uh you know for obvious reasons I think Bucks fans are on Malcolm Brogdon watch and seeing what he's doing in Indiana 23 points five rebounds nine assists per game I'm interested to know how closely you're watching Malcolm the success he's had to start the season and if this surprises you if you're shocked at all that he's playing to this high level and and what you've taken from from the start for for Brogdon, I, I I love seeing what he's doing, um, and I think it's you know it's great for him uh, to be able to you know show off all the skills that he has, and you know be able to show you know kind of what he's able to do as a number one option and and as a leader on on that Pacers team. You know, I, I follow all former Bucks, and you know we kind of always believe you know once a Buck always a Buck, and so you know. I'm always, you know, trying to see and follow what, you know, kind of all the former players on our team are doing. Um, you know, I think with, you know, when it comes to Malcolm, I think this is one of those rare, you know, win-wins for, um, you know, for both. You know, I think for us, what we were able to do is, um, you know, we were able to, you know, I think make our team better um, and be able to get some assets, you know, in return. And I think Malcolm is able to go on to Indiana and become a better player than he was with us. And, you know, I think in the NBA, you don't always talk about, uh, you know, win-win trades. It's always who was able to beat someone else. And I think, you know, you know, this is one of the rare times where, you know, we were able to, you know, have a win-win trade. And, you know, I know everyone in the organization, which is nothing but the best for Malcolm, uh, except for when he plays the Bucks. <laughs> You know what my favorite part about this time of year is? Sweater weather. Leaves on the ground and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. 
And for me, it's actually summer. So I just ignore this. Pro and college ball are tipping off and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, then try Parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Now we've touched on Brogdon. I want to throw something at you here. And I know from from looking at your Twitter feed and knowing the conversations that that I've had with Bucks fans and and just the the general want to to understand what went down in in the summer, luxury tax is a word that was a hot topic all last season. It still is right now. I was in the room when you said this and also John Horse said this, the other owners said this, that words to effect of, we're not afraid to go into the luxury tax. Now, I think when that came out, most people would assume that you were talking about last summer. Now, Brogdon was the one guy that you could have brought back and and decided not to. So I want to throw something at you and that is that some people may say that that you guys being the front office that that made these comments either that wasn't a hundred percent accurate or you didn't think that or you don't think that Malcolm Brogdon is going to be the a difference maker in a championship team yeah i mean i the the willingness to pay the luxury tax is still there um you know at you know at, at some point, and you know, in the next couple of years, there's you know, there's a high likelihood we are going to be paying the luxury tax, um, and so that's not, I think, what's at issue here. I think for us, what we were looking at was, you know, the the came it came down to really what we thought we could get in return, and do we want to pay for what we think his market value is, um, or do we want to see if we could get something that helps us now and going forward? And you know, we kind of lost a, a bit of our assets in the George Hill trade and in the Miritich trade. Um, and so I think we kind of looked at, you know, all of what was available in free agency. Uh, we looked at our bench and said, okay, we've got guys like Dante and Sterling Brown who, you know, we think can come in and, um, and make up for that production. We want to bring George Hill back because of, you know, all the value that he brings on and off the court. And so we want to make sure we're able to do that. And I think we looked at it and said, all right, you know, being able to bring in a Wes Matthews and a Kyle Korver, um, you know, is going to, you know, make up for that. And we're going to be able to get some assets in return. And so, you know, I, I think we've said, you know, hey, look, having Mal- a guy like Malcolm is a luxury. And that is something that is, you know, great. And, you know, he's showing, you know, the type of player that he can be. I think really a decision for us that came down to is, you know, 
what did we think his market value was and what his market could be? And could we get something that would help us now and in the future? Um, and again, I think this is one of those rare win-win trades for both teams. Okay, so following on from that, the, the, the next part that I want to get to is that clearly with this summer upcoming and Giannis and, and what's ahead and what this could mean for the franchise, when you make a decision like not bringing back Malcolm Brogdon, not letting him walk, I mean, you got to trade. But when you make that decision regarding a starting level player, a really quality player in Malcolm Brogdon, I would have to imagine that Giannis, with the position the franchise is in, with the position Giannis is in, that he has to be involved in those conversations. And, you know, clearly from the outside, there is a fair bit of paranoia with Bucks fans in regards to, to what may happen. And, and you know, the, the quality of the roster is a big part of that. So, yeah, again, I, I would imagine that Giannis is a part of those conversations or at least is involved in, in some way. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, the the discussion and thought process that we always have whenever we're making a big decision is, you know, how are we going to build a championship team? And how can we also build a sustained contender, you know, for the next five, 10 years? Um, and, you know, that core of Giannis, Brooke, uh, Chris and Bled, you know, it's it's then going about, okay, how can we find the pieces around them uh, to ensure that we're building a championship contender? And so, you know, it's, you know, for us, you know, we're always looking to make our team better. We're always looking to also make sure that we're finding, you know, the right value and getting the, you know, the type of players who are going to come around that core four um, and make us, you know, uh, the best team in the league. And, you know, quite frankly, I think the offseason we had uh, allowed us to actually improve our team, uh, not only in, you know, in the short term, but I think also gives us some assets to, if we need to do something at the trade deadline, you know, if we see, hey, maybe we're missing a piece, or maybe there's an injury, we've now got something going forward. And we've got some assets going forward that can allow us to, um, you know, pull off a trade like the Miritich trade that we were able to do last year. And so, you know, I think everything we do and everything that we're planning is around, okay, how do we make sure that we're putting the pieces around that, you know, core four group of guys uh, to build a championship team? And, you know, I think what we've got on what we had on the floor last year, I think was a championship caliber team. And I think what we've got on the floor this year is, is you know, an even better team and a championship caliber team. So the other thing I want to talk about is the officials, because uh, clearly, you know, early in the season, there was some real frustration from Giannis. He fouls out against Houston. He fouls out against Miami. Uh, both what I would call straight up bad calls. Then you see him in Boston. He picks up a tech late in the game, which seemed to be just the culmination of that frustration over the first four games of the season. So, uh, you know, my, my, my first sort of part to this is how difficult is this guy to officiate in, in your eyes uh, when you compare that to me? He's really only like LeBron. I mean, if you compare the the strength, force with that they move to the basket, power, and also the fact that in those moments of driving to the basket they don't flop. And you know, in today's NBA, that that you know is kind of unique. So, how is is this going to sort of evolve through the season? Do you believe? And and with Giannis in particular, I mean, how does he work through the, these frustrations of, of not getting the whistle that we probably sometimes believe he should get? 
Yeah, I think, you know, whenever you're looking at a guy like Giannis, LeBron, a Shaq, you know, guys who play with an intensity and a physicality where they're not going to, you know, go in and, as you said, you know, flop, flail around, you know, so to move them off their spot, you really got to hit them. And, you know, to, you know, get them to not just power through you, you got to really hold them. And, you know, they're, those are the type of guys who are just incredibly difficult to officiate. And I think that's something that, you know, Giannis knows and I think is still getting used to, but I think he's also figuring it out. And I think it's something that, you know, the officials and the league needs to also like, you know, improve upon and constantly, you know, work on to, you know, make sure that, you know, just because he's not moving doesn't mean he's not getting hit. And, you know, just making sure that, you know, everyone wants to try to draw that foul on Giannis. And so that I think everyone needs to be more aware of flopping, you know, like that's something that I think, you know, especially on like people need to be a little bit more aware of and, and need to look at. And I think, you know, what we have seen though, I think even since that Boston game is Giannis not really being as worried about it. You know, I think in the beginning of the season, you know, he kind of looked a little bit more tentative, worried about someone picking up that charge on him or was worried about what kind of call the official might make. And I think in these last few games, you've just kind of seen that intensity and that aggressiveness that we saw all of last season. I mean, look, I'm just going to go to the basket and I'm going to go make sure that I finish and I'm going to force the refs to make the call. And I think you saw that, you know, last night, you saw that against Orlando uh, and against Toronto. And so I think, you know, that's what the MVP is. And, you know, that's what you know, the MVP is going to do. But there's no doubt about it. He's a, a, a tough guy to officiate just as LeBron is and just as Shaq was. And that's just something I think, you know, he's going to have to adapt to and, and make sure that he realizes. And quite frankly, I think it's also great when he gets fired up and every now and then gets a T. You know, like that's, that's good. He should be able to let out that frustration and let the officials know like, hey, like this is BS. Like, I'm getting fouled and then these guys are flopping and like, you know, and that's kind of bullshit. And I think that's something that is, you know, good for Giannis to be able to do every now and then to kind of show that like, this is something that is bothering him and needs to be taken seriously. Yeah. So uh, I think looking at all that, uh, one of the questions that, that will come from the outside that, that you often see from fans is, yeah, sure. Uh, Giannis picked up that foul in Boston, but some people may say, okay, bud, uh, stick up for your guy. You, you go pick up a tech. And, uh, and it's, you know, moving on from that, what are the discussions that generally happen with the league in regards to, uh, yeah, all Bucks players, but in particular Giannis? And after that game in Miami uh, against Miami or that game in Houston, what are the conversations that uh, are being had? Is there ongoing dialogue with the league in terms of, of how – we can sort of, uh, you know, influence some change here with, with the whistle Giannis is getting and, and how does that communication kind of play out? Uh, it, it definitely happens during the game every time my dad's there because he's, <laughs> he's yelling and barking the entire time. Um, but I would say, you know, these, these, are, these conversations are happening constantly. You know, we're sending in film to the league and, you know, John Horst and my dad and the ownership and, and Bud, you know, are constantly having you know, I think these conversations and um, just as I think every team is, you know, I think every team is 
you know, making sure that they're having those conversations around the league because I don't think any team feels that they're being officiated properly. And officiating is an incredibly hard thing to do. And I think sometimes we, you know, forget how difficult it is. But, you know, these are things that, you know, are important. And, you know, we're constantly working with the league to make sure that they see, you know, and are talking about some of the things that are being missed so that, hey, there's nothing we can do about what happened in the previous game, but there's something we can make sure that we do about it going forward. And I think that's that's what we want to make sure happens is that going forward, you know, there's there's a little bit more, you know, fairness in in how Giannis is is being treated um, during the games. All right, so you, you did mention Bud there, and, and it was interesting. I, I actually just saw this before we started recording. I mean, obviously, I was around the team last year, and I saw how the players were responding to Bud, and, and clearly he's always been someone that's been a, a player's coach. It was interesting, and you know, the players are often put in a position where they're asked about the situation now in Milwaukee or, or what it might have been in the past, and Giannis, I just want to read a quick quote that Giannis said. He, he said, this was in regards to the load management resting stuff that we were talking about. Uh, Giannis clearly is someone that hasn't enjoyed taking nights off. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Uh, but he did say that he's going to be better about that this year when he's asked to have a rest. He said, I was used to former Bucks coach Jason Kidd. He was breaking us down, but I was happy about it. I think I was the only one that was embracing that. I came from nothing and worked hard every day. That's what I was used to. Having Jason Kidd was fun. Obviously, we didn't break through from uh, break through the first round, but it's different. Like if this is the middle, Jason Kidd was right here, and Bud is way over there in coaching philosophy. They're totally different. Bud wants you to rest. He wants you to stay with your family, but the day we work out, he wants you to be there, and he wants you to give everything. So, a couple of things I take from that. First of all. It's still incredible to me when, when you hear Giannis talk like that. I mean, from where he has come from and how respectful he is that if you put someone, a, a leader in front of him, whether it's a coach, an assistant coach, whoever it is, he's going to show you full respect, which I think, again, not that we needed it. There's another point to just how incredible he is as a, as a person outside of a, a basketball player. Secondly, how big has Bud been for this group? I mean, you talk about a, a change for the franchise uh, in, in bringing Bud in and, and a players coach, as I said, and someone that this whole group seems to have fully embraced. And that change, to me, seems like it, it completely tilted the, the course of, of this team on the court. Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about, you know, last season, I think we, we constantly would say, you know, our biggest off, one of our biggest offseason acquisitions was Coach Bud. And, you know, he was rewarded with that Coach of the Year. And I think you see you know, and how all the players react to him and treat him and, and really admire him. And I think, you know, that type of culture changes is something that, you know, again, was, was seen in, you know, our ability to win, you know, 60 games last year and all the way to the conference finals. You know, what I, what I love a lot of the things that Bud does is, you know, it's not just on the court and the strategy and X's and O's. It's a lot of the stuff he does off the court. You know, making sure that, you know, there are, you know, we're going out to team dinners, um, you know, making sure that, you know, ownership and staff are involved and really trying to show like, hey, we're an entire family. You know, there's there's no separation, you know, everyone from Giannis, you know, down to, 
you know, the ball boy, we're, we're all in this together. And, you know, I think, you know, that type of, of, of feeling off the court and those type of things that he's able to provide, uh, I think is, is something that's really helped, you know, keep the team together. And I think it's really helped bring the team together. And I think, you know, after a loss, like, you know, we had in the conference finals, you know, that's something that can be devastating. And I think what you're now seeing at the beginning of this year is, you know, part of what, you know, that culture that Bud's able to bring, which is, yeah, we might have lost last year, but we're coming back and we're going to have that same chip on our shoulder and we're going to go out and, and go win it this year. Um, and I think, you know, that's something where, you know, we couldn't be, you know, happier and more thrilled that, you know, coach with Bud was willing to, you know, come to Milwaukee. And, you know, I think you see it again with, you know, with all the players, the style and, you know, the real faith and trust that they have in him. Yeah. So you guys uh, often in, in the, in, within the organization talk about uh, winning cultures and Cole Corver, when you talk about acquisitions is obviously a guy that's been on winning teams before. I think the biggest thing that the Bucks fans are curious about, and, and I certainly get asked a lot is, yeah, we see what he's doing on the court. He's shooting 48% from three. He's playing particularly well when with Giannis on the court, which is probably not a surprise. How big of an impact is he having as, I mean, I don't know if you want to call him a shooting coach, an assistant coach. I don't know. But how big of an impact has he had with Giannis? We know that they worked out together in the summer. But was that, a, a, you know, we know, as I said, we know what he can do on the court, but how big a factor was that in bringing a guy in like this when you look at, Giannis and even Bledsoe, we've seen him work with Bledsoe a little bit. I think what what Kyle's able to bring is someone who's been there before, knows what it takes to win a championship, and is someone who I think is very similar to Giannis and just that same work ethic. And I think that's why they get along and, and play so well together is because, you know, Kyle's played with a guy like Giannis. Yeah. You know, he played with LeBron for many years. Like, this isn't Kyle's first rodeo with, you know, the best player in the league. And so I think Kyle, you know, bringing someone in who didn't really need, you know, that much time to like get used to a guy like Giannis because he's already kind of played with someone like that. Um, I think you just kind of see that chemistry right off the bat. And, you know, being able to work out together, I think, you know, Kyle said, you know, when he heard Giannis say that he was only at like 60% capacity, you know, Kyle kind of like laughed and was like, what is he talking about? And then worked out with him and was like, yeah, this guy might only be at 60%. Like he's got a, he's got a lot more to grow. And I think, you know, it, it's that type of, you know, I, I think bond that they were able to have early that you're starting to see that chemistry on the court. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to just do with their same sense of work ethic that they have, you know, off the court. And I think that's something that permeates throughout the entire team. Uh, but I think also like, you know, when you look at how Kyle you know, shoots like it's a beautiful ball, like a ton of arc. And I think you're starting to already see that, you know, Bledsoe shots got a lot more arc on it than it did last year. I actually see that with DJ Wilson as well. His shots got a ton more arc uh, than he had last year. And, you know, you see it with Giannis when, when he really is able to, you know, set and get that ball going a lot more arc on his shot. And I think that's, you know, something that, you know, Kyle has been able to, you know, help with, but also our, you know, also with our coaching staff, you know, you can't, I think we've probably got one of the best teaching coaching staffs uh, in the NBA. Well, there you go. The Cole effect is, is, is a real thing, but uh, I, I've got one last one before I let you go. 
And I just want to touch on All-Star Weekend. It's obviously something the people in Milwaukee are, are very interested in. 2023 just got awarded to Salt Lake City. I've heard you speak before. I think for a lot of people, they understood that with Chicago, uh, Cleveland, Indianapolis on, on, the, on the slate for All-Star Weekend, it was probably a long shot to, to have another one in the Midwest. But 2024 is still for grabs, I believe. But where do we have any update? What's, what's the latest with All-Star Weekend and, and bringing it to Fiserv? Yeah, you know, I think what Commissioner Silver has said, and I think he said this a couple of years ago, was it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when Milwaukee gets an All-Star game. I think, you know, every city um, and every arena wants one. You know, these, these are big events. These are high profile. Uh, and it's a chance to show off your fan base. And it's a chance for the NBA to, you know, show off, you know, everything that they've built not just in, you know, select markets, but all around the league. I think, you know, for us, you know, I feel really good that, you know, at some point in the near future, like we're going to get an all-star game, whether it's in 2024, 25, 26, et cetera. I'm not sure. You know, I think getting something like the Democratic National Convention is really helpful because it's going to show the league that, hey, we can put on something like this. You don't have to worry. Like the preconceived notions that you might have about Milwaukee or our ability to host an all-star game, you can throw that out the window. Like we can host the, you know, an event that's bigger than the all-star game. We can host the all-star game. I think you also though have to look at, you know, the NBA takes in a lot of criteria when they, you know, look at where they're going to award an all-star game. Um, And, you know, we've got a ton in the Midwest coming up, uh, which I think is great. Uh, I think they're going to probably look for a little bit of geographical diversity. I think that's why they're going to Utah, but, you know, I feel confident that, you know, at some point in the near future, we're going to get one just because, you know, I think when you look at what you're looking for in an all-star game, you know, Milwaukee really represents everything. You know, it's a small market that is, you know, has kind of done it the right way, investing in our arena and investing in the practice facility, investing in the team. You know, we've got the best fans in the league. Um, and die hard, like incredible fans. Uh, and we've got, you know, I think a team that really resembles what the NBA is looking for and a star player that, you know, I think is everything the NBA wants in the face of the franchise, in the face of the league, um, and, a, and a real team, you know, and a, a team that we've built. And so, you know, I think the NBA is going to want to show Milwaukee off and show off everything that we've done which is why I think, you know, in the near future, we're going to have an all-star game and it's going to be uh, the best all-star game they've ever had. Yeah, well, as uh, you know, obviously, fortunately enough uh, for me, I was able to spend a fair bit of time at Fiserv and it is just, I mean, it's amazing from this, from the second you walk in the door to, to watching the game. It's, it's an incredible facility and you know, funnily enough, uh, before we wrap this up, I, I know we spoke about load management and, and looking after the health of, of the players. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make you uncomfortable by talking about fines here, but the Clippers <laughs> have just been fined by the league fifty thousand dollars for sitting Kawhi Leonard. So there we go. After we talk about load management, uh, apparently that is for uh, comments from Doc Rivers that were inconsistent with Leonard's health status. So there we have it. So we'll be interesting to watch uh, Kawhi Leonard moving forward and, and how they manage uh, how they manage that. So there we go. That's a bit of news for you. Right. Look at that. Making making news on the pod. 
It's incredible. Uh, and I, I don't want any comment from you on that, okay? <laughs> we will leave it at <laughs> I, that. I, but. I, I am too scared to make one, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we will wrap this thing up. Alex, seriously, uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Uh, obviously, I know you are a very busy man, but uh, I am definitely not going to rule out trying to uh, get you back on through the season. But uh, thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you very much, man, and uh, looking forward to coming back on. So there we have it. That is the end of another week of Locked On Bucks. Hopefully you enjoyed the chat with, with Alex Lazary uh, today. As I said, I'm going to try and get him back uh, from time to time through the season. But today's episode with Alex was brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at endochino.com when entering locked on at the checkout the bucks are back at it tonight they're in utah to take on the jazz 8 p.m tip that one so not too bad an hour earlier than than what what you guys got in la for those that are in wisconsin they then will move on to play the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday. As Frank mentioned on in yesterday's pod, it's always tough to get through a four-game road trip undefeated. That's exactly what the Bucks are trying to do. They did lose in Utah last year when they went with the biggest lineup I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Giannis completely played Rudy Gobert off the floor. He, they could not bring him on. Giannis completely dominated the Defensive Player of the Year. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup once again. But I will be back on Monday with Frank. We'll wrap up both those games. Have a good weekend, and I will speak to you guys then.